Hello, my name is Gail Monsma. Welcome to the Prairie Center for Christian Education, based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. This is a big boss episode of the Every Square Centimeter podcast, a project of Christian Schools Canada, and we are enlivened to have you join us as we tour this beautiful country we call Canada, celebrating and finding inspiration in the bosses, places, and practices in and around Christian education. In our last stop on our virtual tour of Canada, we spent time at Calvin Christian Collegiate in Winnipeg, Manitoba with Matt Clausen as we learned road rage Darren may be scarier than lawn removal Darren. We learned that Neil Young may be cool enough to be called a pegger, while most people from the city at the center of North America are called Winnipeggers. We learned the only thing better than a home-cooked meal is a home-harvested meal, the importance of getting out of the classroom and connecting with the land around us, and we learned that university requirements should not always dictate the learning experiences we invite students into in high school. It was our pleasure visiting Matt, so go and listen. Tell other educators to listen as well. But today, we're in the prairies, and I'm referring to us as a glittering. We are a prairie glittering. Shout out to Sarah Burt, our marketing communications guru and a boss in her own right for this recommendation suggesting that it would fit the festive season as this episode is likely being released around Christmas. So to get to know our prairie glittering, we're going to start our podcast off with the name segment. My name is Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Centre for Christian Education, or PCCE, and alongside me from the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, is Mr. I don't like grass unless, unless it's making my beef tasty, Darren Speaksma. Hey, Glittering. Hey. Hey, Darren. Darren, our prompt for today is how many continents have you visited and what's one quick travel story? So, Jeremy, I visited five continents plus a smattering of islands that we're not sure actually make it onto a continent or not. Like, like um, which one? Like, like, like name, name one. one like Jamaica. Yeah. Okay, for we'll example. Ask our listeners, if you is think Jamaica, Jamaica a continent? <laughs> or is Jamaica part of a continent? Like, what do we do with those islands out there? Yeah. Are they part mm-hmm. of a continent or are they just their own thing? So, Great question. Um, quick travel story. I learned that the only way I am crossing the street in Jakarta, Indonesia, is if you just put your hand out and don't make eye contact with the driver. Put your hand out, step into traffic, they will stop for you. But if they know that you know that you've seen them, they're not stopping. Wow. Wow. I've always been kind of against uh, crosswalks, but that sounds like a whole nother level of, of danger. From advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who could build you a shelf one day and cook you a delicious meal the next, Justin Cook. Oh, that makes me sound way more handy than I am. Hey, Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada. Canada. Justin, how many continents, uh, excluding Jamaica, have you visited? And what's one <laughs> quick travel story? So, Darren, is the United Kingdom a continent? I'm just curious. I would say the United Kingdom's part of a continent. Oh, wow. <laughs> part of Europe. Okay, well, then my count is four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so one quick travel story. Uh, I was invited to uh, do some work in the Northern Territory of Australia in Darwin with uh, our good friend and colleague, Daryl DeBoer, an amazing trip. Um, two quick comments about that trip. We had an amazing time there. One was I was given an opportunity to go to what they're saying is perhaps one of the most remote Christian schools in the world, Gawa Christian School, which is on Elko Island, an amazing um, yeah, Aboriginal community on Elko Island. And, and to visit and tour the school was an incredible honor. Uh, what was not quite so much of an honor, although it was pretty fun, is in Darwin, they have this tourist trap that has like tanks of crocodiles and they have this like tank of death where they submerge uh, partially uh, tourists into the crocodile pit. And they're like, oh, by the way, as our keynote speakers, you and Daryl uh, get to go in like the crocodile pit of death. And they're like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and literally everyone from the conference was like around the outside laughing hysterically at the Canadians in the crocodile tank. Uh, good times in Darwin, <laughs> Australia. 
You haven't attracted any crocodiles to your watering hole yet in your backyard. I haven't seen any, but no. are they nocturnal crocodiles? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think they're there. They're the reasons for the yellow patches in your backyard. Exactly. Today, we are humbled, graced even, to be in the presence of the executive director, or some would say the bossy McBox face of the PCCE, Gail Monsma. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Gail. <laughs> so glad you're here. How many continents have you visited, and what's one quick travel story? I have visited five continents. Um, I still have South America and Antarctica on my list. So oh. it's, uh, my goal is to visit all of them. So at some point, that will be a trip. But uh, my quick travel story actually was probably one of my favorite vacations ever. was on my 50th birthday. I chartered a barge. So we did a bike and barge trip through Holland mm -hmm. with about uh, 20 family and friends. I knew everybody, but nobody else knew everybody. So mm -hmm. it was a wonderful time, a week or so of biking and barging through, um, through Holland. So it was a wonderful, fantastic vacation. What well, what would be the split, Gail, on that? Like biking and barging? Are you mostly on barges? Mostly biking? Waking hours, you'd be mostly biking, but then you're sleeping on the barge. So right nice. Generally, you'd bike from about uh, nine in the morning till four in the afternoon. Was anybody biking on the barge? <laughs> no, but if you did not want to bike, you could actually just ride the barge for the day. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. You could do South America and Antarctica. Uh, pretty efficiently, right? Couldn't you just head to the tip of South America for the trek over to Antarctica? Yep, that's where you leave for you leave for Antarctica from South America. So when I do that trip, it will be, uh, I'll get both those last two continents off my list. That was more me just bragging that I knew geography for some of those that maybe in our, in our group that maybe don't know geography as well. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate that. How many uh, continents <laughs> have you been to? <laughs> I've only been to three um, that, mm. I, that I, I'm pretty sure I've only been to three, uh, North America, South America, and Europe. And uh, one of my favorite trips, I was in my third year university, and I uh, finally made the hockey team, and we got to go over Christmas. We went over to Sweden and played some uh, low-level uh, pro teams over there. And it was interesting to me because these were friendly games, exhibition games, and yet... Uh, what quickly happened was the crowd got very anti-Canadian because there was a difference in language, even in how you play the game. And so we would come over and body checking would be a kind of a clean play for us, but that would be dirty for them. Whereas stick work would be dirty for us and they would see that as clean. And so very quickly, uh, we had teams getting pretty fired up over just an exhibition game and just realized that, you know, even in your culture and, uh, even in hockey, something like that uh, quickly shows itself. So for the second half of our opening square, we have our host choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim. And today, Gail has chosen the segment. Gail, can you do a drum roll? Sure. Game. Yeah. Game. All right. For the game segment today, we're kind of making something up here. Uh, in honor of the prairies, uh, we're going to do a game called Yeehaw or Yeehaw. Okay. And what's going to happen here is Gail is going to tell us a prank that actually happened to her as a leader, as a, as a boss. And we are going to vote on whether we think it's a, that prank is a, a great prank, a Yeehaw, or it's a, not a great prank, Yeehaw. Okay. Pretty simple. Uh, and then, Gail, you're going to give us what the answer is, whether you think it was a, a yeehaw or yeehaw. As, as you experienced it, what did you feel? So, uh, like, for example, I remember one of the pranks um, being us filling, uh, I mean, the staff, not us. I, you know, I would never be part of any of these, but filling your office with chairs. Okay, so we devote whether it's yeehaw or yeehaw. So, Gail, give us prank number one. Okay, so every year when I went away to the principal's conference in the fall, I would come back and there would be some sort of a prank pulled in my office. So one of them was I came back and everything in my office was shrink-wrapped. 
So the big things like my filing cabinet and like my table and chairs were all shrink wrapped. But then it went down to things like my phone was shrink wrapped and then my computer mouse was shrink wrapped. And even the things like my stapler and pens were shrink wrapped. So that is prank number one. Okay. So Darren, maybe give us a yeehaw or yeehaw for that one. I'm going yeehaw on that one. Okay. I'm going, I'm going yeehaw as well. Uh, not super yeehaw, but pretty good yeehaw. Justin, what do you think? Oh, I'm like full on yeehaw for sure. <laughs> so here's my thinking, Jeremy. I, uh, you know, I'm thinking these days screen protectors are kind of important, right? We really like having our screens protected. Well, what if we had like a screen protector for every single thing in oh, our yeah. office? Yeah. And I think the we actually have the capacity for this. I think you guys just gave Gail a gift by like screen protecting every single thing. Some of the functions are affected. I get that. But all in all, this is a, a well-protected, see-through, shrink-wrap, yeehaw. Gail, uh, what's your final determination of this one? That was a yee-naw. And I think oh. um, primarily like – really, really bad earth keeping, right? Oh, like just think of all oh, the waste boy. that occurred mm-hmm. because of all of that shrink wrap. That was uh, yeah, not a good earth keeping moment at Covenant Christian School. Protecting things though, and you didn't have to wash those things potentially. No, okay. No, all right, right. Unwrap I'm everything. E- I'm an evil person. Prank, <laughs> prank two. <laughs> prank okay, two. prank number two was when I came back from the conference And my office was missing like some of the key things like my chair, my computer, my phone, um, some key other aspects. But in every place of that was a note indicating which class had taken possession of that item. And then I needed to go to the class. And then they usually had like this intense scavenger hunt that led me all around the school to try to find my necessary items back. Justin, what do you think? Yeehaw or yeehaw? Okay, well, there's probably some ethical reason why I should say yeehaw, but uh, I am actually going yeehaw. I'm like, oh. I, I, for me, there were times in college where people would just steal a toilet, and that was just annoying. That's just dumb. So I'm going. <laughs> the fact that something was stolen, yeehaw. Okay, I'm going yeehaw because I like the student. Uh, be, students being brought into it. Right? I think a sense of community of students being brought into mm-hmm. the prank. Darren? I'm going full yee-haw on this one because nice. of the learning that took place. The the different aspects of coming up with a plan, working out a flow chart, Ooh. the creative writing as part of the clues. I am going 100% full yee-haw. Nice. And, and Gail, just to clarify, your toilet was not taken. Is that... We just no, wanna... I did not have my own personal toilet in my office. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Gail, what is it? Yee-haw or yee-naw? What? Sense of humor. Come on. Like it took, I think, almost the better part of a day for me to get all my stuff back. You know, when you come back from a conference and you're behind already and then you spend a day um, just moving around the school trying to find everything back again. Learning (laughs) learning comes at a cost, Gail. (laughs) Disruption is a great learning tool. It's true. And I think there's an assumption that maybe you had nothing better to do uh, from staff. And staff so. <laughs> Ooh, uh, yeah. Shots number, fired. Shots fired. Number three. Prank number three. Okay. So prank, prank number three was I came back to my office on the Monday morning. because I learned not to come back to my office on the weekend because um, partly everybody was waiting there to see what my reaction would be. So I came back Monday morning and there was like paper over the window in my office And I sort of opened up the office door enough to see that my office was now a full-on jungle. So every plant from the school was in my office. Um, My chair was gone and there was a stump there. Uh, Stuffed animals like monkeys hanging all over the place. Jungle music playing. But then the kicker of all, they sodded the floor in my office. So... Full on jungle. Uh, Darren, yeehaw or yeehaw? 
I'm seeing a trend, and I don't want to go zero for three, so I'm going ye na on this one. That's all. So you're good. you're playing the game, Justin. What do you got? Yeah, well, I'm playing the game too. But come on, that's amazing. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I'm going monkey yeehaw in the jungle, baby. There's probably some ethical anti sod reason, but I I'm going yeehaw. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeehaw for me as well. Big yeehaw because I definitely remember this one. And the sod was left over from some work done on the playground. It was sitting there going to waste. And uh, we did put, I believe, some plastic down before the sod was put down so that dirt wouldn't get in the carpet too much. Um, and I believe we returned the sod when it was done. I don't think it was dried out uh, too mm. much, I, I, I believe. So this one is a big yeehaw, one of my favorite. Gail, what's the verdict on this one? Well, you know, just the cleanup alone, because everybody likes to do the prank, but then they don't like to do the cleanup afterwards. So well, we're busy. The, we we're teaching. Yeah, yeah. The yee-haw on the cleanup, but the yee-haw is there was rumors that they were actually thinking about putting a cow in there as well. So I was very glad that they backed off a bit, showed some restraint, and did not put a cow in my office over the weekend as well. So. Oh, overall, Gail, uh, something you probably want us to continue maybe at the PCC office. We haven't picked that up yet. No, well, that's okay. But <laughs> okay. Um, all, yeah, of course, they're all wonderful things. Um, built tremendous community amongst the, the school, the students, the staff, the parents all got in it. I had family members asking, so what did they do this time? So mm. um, all wonderful things and uh, big yeehaws on all of them. Awesome. Listeners, please play a prank on your boss after listening to this episode, and we would love for you to send us a picture of that. Please, every square centimeter on Twitter, Instagram, send us a picture of what you did. We're going to transition from our opening square to the part of our podcast where we learn a little about places in Canada and celebrate the bosses and practices in Christian education. But before we do, here's a word from our Edudeo sponsor. They're a yee-haw in my books, No. Oh, yeah. No? Yeah? Good. Okay. Hi, my name is Melanie DeYoung, and I teach at Timothy Christian School in Hamilton, Ontario, alongside my colleague Colton Wolf. Last year, our grade 8 classes wanted to raise awareness and funds to support Edudeo Ministries and its work to advance Christ-centered education for girls in Zambia. We created our own fundraising event, but because of COVID restrictions, we needed to pivot. Enter Edgideo Go School Edition. While learning from home, students were able to digitally log their activity over a period of two weeks, and donations could easily be made via Edgideo's website. This was the easiest activity-based program I have ever been involved in with my class. My students learned how they can have an impact on the lives of girls they don't even know. We look forward to participating again. Want to get involved with Edudeo Go School Edition? Contact Lori Koning by emailing schools at edudeo.com. Okay, as we heard off the top, Gail bosses people around at the Prairie Center for Christian Education. Justin, can you tell us a bit about the Canadian prairies? All right, team. I'm excited to talk about a region today rather than a specific city. That's pretty awesome. Covering a lot of uh, square centimeters today, which Ooh, is uh, efficient yes. and helpful. Yeah. So the prairies are the traditional gathering place for diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Salto, Anishinaabe, and many others. Got this fact on Wikipedia, so I don't know what your attitude is towards that. But um, outside of the Northern Territories, the Prairies has the highest proportion of Indigenous people in Canada. I'm wondering if you guys are surprised by that. But um, just again, in, in kind of rough bands, 10 to 25% of, of the Prairie population is Indigenous, hmm. 5 to 10% in BC, 2 to 3% in Ontario and Quebec. Maritimes are also around 5 to 10%. Um, Canadian Encyclopedia has um, divided Canada into six cultural areas of Indigenous peoples, and those are not uh, obviously um, dictated by provincial or national borders. Uh, they don't have specific boundaries. And this is uh, prompts me to shout out one of my favorite short stories by Thomas King, a story called Borders. I would urge anyone who's Canadian or American to read his short story. 
Um, it's about a, a, a mother and daughter who get stuck between the American and Canadian borders because they continue to assert that their nation, their nationality is Blackfoot. Hmm. And um, it's, it's, Thomas King has recently turned it into a graphic novel. So you can even look at a, an expanded version of it. Hmm. So uh, the plains and plateau are two of these cultural areas uh, across Canada. And the others are the Arctic, the subarctic, the Northwest coast and the Eastern woodlands. And we know perhaps uh, that the Prairie first nations were um, um, did a ton of subsistence on bison hunting as their primary source of food and spears and bow hunting were common weapons. But, you know, I think probably many of us also know that the Blackfoot were incredible at herding Buffalo over cliffs. And that's led to one of the best uniquely named locations in all of Canada. Smashing head. Head smashed head, in Buffalo jump. Head smashed in Buffalo jump. Uh, Jeremy or Gail, have you guys been there? I have. It's so wonderful. It's a fantastic museum. It looks like nothing from the outside because it's built into the hill. So it's a wonderful place to visit. Wow. It's amazing. So it's just straight south of Calgary and west of Lethbridge. Um, prairies are also known, obviously, for grain, for wheat production. Uh, it's kind of the breadbasket of Canada. And I kind of assumed maybe a bit uh, naively and arrogantly that we were like one of the biggest producers in the world. We're, we're pretty up there. Anybody want to guess actually what rank Canada has in terms of wheat production globally? What nation uh, by nation? What Where would we fall? Anybody want to guess? Fourth. Third. You took mine. You can, you can, you can double up. No problem. I'll go second because I don't want to double up. All right. Well, we're seventh. Oh, ouch. As of 2019. I know. China, India, Russia, US, France, wow. and Australia are all higher producing wheat countries than Canada. Isn't that crazy? France, Is that because we produce other things like canola and some of this other stuff in a lot of the spaces? Maybe. I got to do a bit more homework on that, Darren. So that's a good that's a good wondering uh, there. Yeah. Uh, and actually, I am shouting out to that in my, 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 uh, my exit here to our focus on the prairies i've I, so ontario folk do the cross canada thing which is awesome i've actually done it a number of times and you know invariably the prairies get a bit of a bum rap on the cross canada tour right it's like oh the prairies they're so flat so long blah blah but i find driving across the prairie one of the most calming majestically beautiful parts of the trip personally um you know maybe you've seen darren just like you're shouting out there endless fields of yellow flowered canola if you're going at the right time of year or purple fields of clover, of course, the deep green of winter wheat that's maturing in the spring or just endless kilometers of beautiful prairie grass, not to mention big sky country mm -hmm. driving across the prairie is majestic. So that's the prairies. Thanks for hosting us, Gail. Most welcome. Gail, uh, curious, how did you make your way to the Prairie Center for Christian Education? How do you end up there? Yeah, it uh, came after uh, 28 years at Covenant Christian School as a teacher and principal. Um, so I'd always sort of wondered what would get me out of Covenant, and this job was the one that, that I always thought. Um, my predecessor was a fellow named Elko Vandergrift. Interesting story is that he, um, he was my cooperating teacher when I was a student teacher, so I'm just sort of following him around career-wise. So... Um, I already know where, um, what my next job is going to be based on what Elko is doing right now. So. Shout out to Elko at Edudeo, our there sponsor. You go. Excellent. Uh, tell us a little bit about the PCCE. Yeah, we're an organization that serves Christian schools on the Canadian Prairie Provinces. Uh, we have about 25 schools in our organization. And sort of our unofficial tagline is that we want to be school's essential partner in Christian education. And they couldn't imagine being a Christian school without being a part of um, us and a part of connected with the other schools. We work with boards, we work with school leaders, we work with teachers. So it's a full wraparound organization for the schools that are belonging to our organization. Like shrink wraparound? Oh, ah, there you go. Too, too soon? No. No, probably too soon. <laughs> Uh, Tell us, Earthkeeping Earth Earth Keeping is one of uh, Prairie Center's through lines, so maybe, you know, maybe not. Yeah, fair enough. Sorry, Darren. It's all good. Uh, tell us something unique about 
the Prairie Center. We got three organizations represented um, under Christian Schools Canada. What makes the PCC unique? I think there's a couple things. One is that we're based in three provinces, so that's kind of a unique thing. But mm. probably one of the things that's um, very distinct about the Prairie Center is um, particularly our schools in Alberta. And there's uh, two different ways, uh, schools that belong to our organization. Some of them are independent schools, like what we see in, in the other schools in uh, Christian Schools Canada. But we also have this unique thing in Alberta where we have a number of our schools, majority of schools are actually what's called an independent, or sorry, an alternative program in a public school program. So, um, so most of our schools are that. They're these alternative programs within the public school system. How, what, what makes them unique, Gail? Yeah, so they, all these schools, or the majority of them, were independent schools at some point. But then through their history, they decided to become alternative programs. So, um, yeah, there's, there's benefits and, and challenges to each of those different governance models. But for the majority of the schools that have made that change, it's been a very positive one for them in terms of just access to resources and support that they get from their public school board uh, connections in that way. Um, so, yeah, just it's a unique governance structure that is only, I think it's unique to the to Alberta context. Gail, I'm, I've asked you about this over the years just because I think it is quite a fascinating experiment in some sense, but also partnership. And obviously, it requires a ton of trust and even vulnerability. And one of the big questions I think that Ontarians ask about the alternative public system is, well, what about hiring? Um, what about who gets control over hiring principals? And I was really struck by the fact that you talked about the alternative public schools not necessarily being pawns in the hiring, but actually being participants at the district's you know board level. Can you, can you say a little more about that? How how maybe the hiring hasn't been something that's necessarily this big scary uh, vulnerability? Yeah, I think. Um in some ways, it gives you access to a larger pool of, of teachers. So in that way, you're, you're maybe drawing from a larger group. Um, and again, every, the unique thing about the alternative programs is that every school has their own unique agreement with their public school board. So there's a lot of different ways in which um, that hiring happens. But I think generally speaking, um, the public schools also want these schools to remain unique because they have lots of other regular schools. So in that way, in most cases, they are they are open to feedback and they want the best teachers in those schools as well. So mm. it happens in different ways depending on the, the particular situation. But from my own experience, it was, um, yeah, it was a positive in terms of the teachers were able to hire and then in some cases, the teachers, you can actually keep long term mm. because of some of the benefits and so on that you get through being part of a, of a larger system. Mm. Gail, you've been, you know, a leader at a school prior to being the executive director of PCCE and now obviously the ED there. What's what's one of the favorite one of your favorite things about being a part of the PCCE at the school level and now at the association level? You know, when I look back on those years at Covenant and that work now has sort of continued on at the Prairie Center was um, when I was at Covenant, we were one of the sort of founding schools of teaching for transformation, which now, of course, has some worldwide recognition. But at that point, it was basically three schools in the Prairie provinces getting together, um, sort of with started with a bit of an impetus where we said, you know what, are we really doing what we're promising our parents in our vision and mission statements? Are we really, most of them have something along the lines of integrating faith into all areas of study, sort of the every square centimeter thing. And uh, a bit of um, probably we sometimes describe it as a holy discontent in terms of, of not really confident that that was always happening. So, so that TFT just started in that context and uh, it wasn't, what it is now when we began it, it was, like I say, a grassroots, organic, um, growing process. So I'd say through my work at Covenant, for sure, TFT was was probably the most exciting thing that I've ever been involved with in Christian education. And now that has continued also in the work that I have at the Prairie Center. Mm -hmm. So that's just been, uh, yeah, it's, it's, we talked at TFT at one point about it was the gift that we've been given 
that now we're trying to steward well. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's yeah, it's just been an exciting learning journey for me and also just to see how it's impacting Christian education worldwide at this point. Well, I can tell you, Gail, we've got eight schools here in Ontario that are just starting the formal TFT journey. So the, the, the approach in Christian education certainly is alive and well and growing in my understanding, and we're grateful. Yeah, and just in my role that uh, so much of my portfolio is working with TFT, uh, you know, thank you, Gail, for your commitment and your contribution early on, even just the discussions that were had, the, even the willingness to have that holy discontent and and to be uh, to be open for change. Uh, I appreciated uh, being a teacher in the school where we piloted some of this. Um, I believe uh, at one point you said, hey, we'd love your feedback. And then uh, about six months later, I remember you saying to me, uh, thank you for the feedback. I actually need you to just try this now. Uh, stop critiquing. So, um, <laughs> Gail, we could, we could probably spend a whole podcast talking about TFT and your involvement and passion for it. But uh, we asked you today to think about a topic that you're passionate about right now. What, what's something that's kind of uh, currently something that's got you excited? Yeah, it's an interesting to think about that and go, it changes over time, right? Different things. But I'd say right now, one of my uh, areas of great interest and passion is sort of facilitating and promoting the idea of, of women in Christian school leadership and what does that look like and mm -hmm. how can we uh, advance that within our schools and our organizations. That's a great topic, Gail. Could we start with maybe some of the challenges that you see for, for women in Christian leadership? Yeah, you know, it's, um, there's, there's a lot of them. There's, um, there's lots of barriers sort of in that capacity. I think that um, you can sort of get down to different biases that we can see within, within our organizations and within school. And um, there's some things like uh, a likability bias for women. The idea that um, if they are assertive, then that is seen as a negative. But if they're not assertive, then they are not seen as competent. Mm -hmm. So then they also don't get the, the opportunities. Um, women traditionally also experience way more sort of negative feedback on things around their, their person. So, for instance, this one study I was reading recently um, it was how many women had received negative feedback, like in a performance appraisal around something like their personality, like you can be abrasive. And the fact is that 66% of women have received that kind of feedback and only 1% of men. Mm -hmm. So it's much more connected with, um, with personality. Um, interesting for, if you think about promotion, men will often apply for a job if they meet about 60% of the stated requirements in the job posting, women won't apply for a job until they meet 100%. Mm. So in some cases, they're, they're weeding themselves out. Um, but interestingly, probably the strongest bias actually against women is what's called a maternal bias in terms of, um, of their role as mothers. And uh, their contributions are seen as less valuable, they're not getting invited into um, sort of moving up in other positions because people assume that they won't want to or they have other obligations as a family. And interesting, the maternal bias starts when a woman becomes engaged, is, uh, starts already at that point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, those are some of the, the issues that are currently surrounding and um, impacting the fact that schools don't, um, leadership doesn't represent their communities. And uh, in this case, there's all sorts of ways in which that doesn't happen. But the thing that I'm interested in is, is the why women are not more represented amongst student or amongst school leaders. Yeah, especially in the the jobs that we, the, the, the area of work that we're in, we see a majority of teachers being female, uh, especially in elementary schools. And yet the leadership um, numbers doesn't always match that. Gail, I, what is how would what would you perceive as God's intention for Christian schools leadership? How would you frame that? Yeah, I think that um, God's intent is for leaders to lead, and um, regardless of of in this case talking about their gender. So um, I think that that's He would uh, our schools would be richer, and God would intend that um, if people have those gifts, that they should be in those positions. 
so that it reflects the diversity of the community in which they are. The idea that we're all created in the image of God and, um, and part of that for some people is, is being school leaders. So I would hope that our schools would reflect that more accurately. Mm-hmm. So Gail, we're talking about, you know, the creational intent here, but also the barriers. And I realize this can be kind of a fragile uh, topic to get concrete about, but I think it's important to think about the actual stories that embody either the success or the failure, the barriers. Can you think about an appropriate way to tell us a story that really kind of fleshes out these one of these two areas, either the the, the frustration at the barriers or the success of, of God's intent? Yeah, you know, when I when I hear stories from um, colleagues of mine in terms of some of the, the things that they've been up against and, and the comments that have been made, um, yeah, there's some real there's some really dark things out there. Um, mm. But I guess at the same time, my own personal experience has been fairly positive for the most part. Mm. So in that way, I, I feel incredibly blessed and and uh, lucky in that regard. But also, then I think that gives me um, a responsibility also to to be engaged in in some conversation that helps um, just the the general issues that are out there and what that looks like. So. Um, yeah, so there's there's lots of things going on. I think that um, there's starting to be a bit more of a of a gathering, a movement of of Christian school leaders, women who are saying, you know what, let's let's work together on some of these things. So um, there's a blog that is that's been recently started called Women Leaders for Christian Education. So it's a uh, um, wlce.org. So I really encourage people to to read that. Some really good stuff there. Um, there's some talk of, of a gathering happening, potentially a conference in the next uh, maybe year and a half or so, hopefully. Um, yes, yeah, so there's some positive movement there. Um, just I was I presented a workshop recently at a, at a conference, the Van Lunen conference, and the uh, majority of the people in the room were men, which was the first time I'd ever had a man attend that session that I had offered before. Maybe the fact that 75% of the people at Van Lunen are men mm-hmm. might sort of uh, <laughs> sway it in that direction. But um, yeah, I think that uh, more and more people are just sort of maybe becoming aware of, uh, of what's going on and trying to figure out ways to do better. No, that's great. I, I encourage, um, I enjoy the blog. I subscribe and I also encourage the idea of getting together, um, networking, connecting, but those are all great ideas that not everyone's necessarily going to be able to grab a hold of. But is there, could you really take it practical for us? Like, I love this idea that you, you're you hosting a conference about women in leadership in Christian education or not, but also that you're already talking about it at other conferences. And then to hear men at the panel, like, what would be the advice you, you gave them as Christian leaders who are male to support the other female leaders on staff or in their community? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that one of the main ways in which people move into leadership is through the influence and impact of a mentor. Um, so I, I think that that's probably one of the key things. Generally, people mentor people who are like them. Hmm. So because most of the people currently in leadership are white males, they tend to mentor other white males. So I think a key thing there is to think about how, do, how does that, how do you do that differently? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that, um, in the, in the Christian context, there's also some barriers, right? We are probably familiar with the Billy Graham rule, right? Where you're never alone with a woman who's not your wife in, in those circumstances. So how do you still mentor within that type of a context? Um, we can talk about that whole thing and that's another story, but, um, but just that idea of, of how do you mentor? So rather than mentor hap- mentoring happening, say, after work over, over a beer or on the golf course, think about different ways you can do that. Why does mentoring always have to be one-on-one? Why can't it be done in, in a small group? Um, and if there aren't formal mentorships, there's all sorts of ways in which um, males can support women, can encourage them, recognize that because of all the biases that you may need to encourage more than once. Um, if somebody, if you would like them to become a part of a leadership team, they may, may need more encouragement than, than a man would. Uh, give them opportunities 
speak up um, when you see things happening that that are not right, but don't speak up at the expense of the person using their own voice, right? Um, yeah, and I guess just a very practical thing, mm-hmm. if when you're in a group and it's time for someone to take minutes, volunteer. Um, mm-hmm. There was this thing last spring where a lady went on Twitter and she posted, she was in a meeting with um, physicists. I think she was the only woman. And, um, and there was a man volunteered to take minutes and she put it on Twitter and just how much she appreciated that. I just checked today. There's 78,000 likes of that wow. tweet, which is just shows. And the guy actually who volunteered to take the minutes also said, why are we, why is this still an issue? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so even something like that. So, um, so lots of just practical things that people who are currently in leadership can do to support those, those women that, that may be wanting to step into that. Now, I'm not sure you, you want us, but a practical thing I'm willing to commit Jeremy, Justin, and myself to is if you do have this gathering and you need a registration table manned or some gift bags stuffed or any of those other things that um, you need done, we're in. And that doesn't mean you need to see us because I'm not trying to invite myself to your party. We could be nondescript, um, but... We're, we're in. I'm, I'm seeing some nods, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we'd be okay to man the registration mm-hmm. table if, if Gail and her team felt it was necessary or helpful. And you might have to, like, arrange the coffee and make sure there's snacks there and that sort yeah. of thing as well. We so. can do that. Justin, we learned, you know, could build a shelf and cook us a meal, yeah. so Justin could be on snacks. <laughs> yeah. But all seriousness, Gail, like, we here at the Ever Square Centimeter podcast love this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is important. We see this impacting um, many people in our organizations, and we're, mm-hmm. just, we're just thankful for that. Uh, as we get close to closing here, um, is there anything else we didn't talk about or ask you about that you wanted, uh, you wanted to share? I think Justin had a question. I do, actually. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks for letting me jump in. Sorry, Darren. Uh, I'm swinging it. Um, so we just ha- had a conversation uh, uh, focusing on mentorship, which I think is amazing. Let's swing to the other side. And whether I'm, a, a, you know, a competent male or female teacher, Gail, do you have any advice for teachers out there who are maybe like, yeah, looking for more of a stretch, looking for more opportunity? Um, what kind of advice or suggestions would you give to educators or others who are thinking, yeah, I'm curious to try and take something on. Um, what are ways that I might think about doing that? I think um, lead well where you are, right? Um, if you have, uh, if you're a, a coach, if you're involved with that, or if there's something else that you're passionate about, um, see whether there are opportunities within what you're already doing to exercise those gifts. Um, make sure your your principal, your head of school knows that you're interested and that you would be willing to, to step it up. Um, sometimes there might not be something overt. So maybe you have to be a, a bit of creating your own opportunity. Maybe you can gather uh, a PLC together or something like that, just to sort of, um, yeah, get some experience. There's, there's also formalized programs, like, for instance, um, Christian Schools Canada is, is a sponsor of uh, the Emerging Leaders Development Institute, ELDI, a wonderful opportunity also for people who are thinking a little bit more seriously about that as well. Hmm. One, can I, forgive me here, Darren, one last question. Um, <laughs> Gail, gender is in some sense a hot topic contemporarily right now, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about whether... Christian schools, especially in the in the context of leadership, should be celebrating the best aspects of maleness and femaleness as leadership qualities, or should we be de-emphasizing, you know, stereotypical aspects of maleness and femaleness? Can you just talk a little bit about kind of the hot topic of gender as it relates to leadership and, and your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that um, in our current context, when you think about characteristics of a good leader, they are often white male leadership characteristics. Mm. And I guess when I was sitting on another board once that was very intentional about trying to diversify their leadership, 
um, recognize that it's, um, it's a male thing and it's a white thing in terms of where we're at now because different cultural groups, males will even have different leadership sort of um, ways of being in mm. different cultural groups compared to that. So I think that it's just the big thing is to be open and recognize that that is the context from which people are coming and to recognize that there are other ways whether that's gender, culture, ethnicity, whatever it happens to be, other ways also that really good effective leadership can be. So, mm. um, yeah, just opening our eyes and our hearts to different ways in which that can exhibit itself. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Gil, for sharing this, this journey of, uh, or this, that's at least this passion in your journey right now. We're going to transition to something we call our celebration of learners. To be inducted into the esteemed Every Square Centimeter Celebration of Learners Gallery, you need to join us on our podcast, share a bit of your journey or your passions, and have at least one other person write something nice about you. And when it's your boss, it might feel a little bit more like people were coerced, but let's not judge until after that. So I've asked a couple members of our team at the Prairie Centre to chime in on this one. So we have Ruth Pellick. Actually, no, Marilyn first. She said, Gail, her ability to retain details is remarkable considering all the committees she is on. Her open-mindedness and her passion for social justice, her congeniality to do- is top, top drawer, easy to work with, but she could answer her emails faster, LOL. So a little bit of a, little bit of a backhand in there. And then Ruth <laughs> comes along and says everything Marilyn said. So apparently even the emails. And also her trust in people and ability to support projects and the people behind those projects. Her generosity with her time and always being willing to pitch in. She loves door signs. I think that was some LOL in there. Her creation of a team slash work family and not just an office. And I will say this. It has been a privilege cutting my teeth, especially starting out as a teacher with Gail as principal. She was a leader that created a culture where I was able to grow as a teacher and as a Christ follower, which usually means making mistakes, and I made my share. She held me accountable, but was also gracious. Her trustworthiness trustworthiness invites honesty, and I found myself sharing my challenges, professional and or personal, through tears on numerous occasions throughout my career. She's one of the wisest people in my life and someone I listen to carefully whenever I hear her recommending something. I count it a great privilege to call Gail my boss, or in this case, my big boss, but she treats our relationship like a partnership, and I always feel my opinion and ideas are taken seriously, and probably the most important thing she taught me was where pickles come from. Hashtag pickled cucumbers. (laughs) Gail Monsma. Well, thank you, Jeremy. That's like the nicest thing you've ever said about me in a, in a public venue. So this is, this is like a wonderful Christmas present. <laughs> it's recorded, so I can just play it back to you whenever, uh, whenever I need to. Uh, you're welcome, Gail. Uh, if anyone wants to connect with you, how could they do that? Easiest is probably um, email. So it's just gmonsma, G-M-O-N-S-M-A at P-C-C-E dot C-A. Um, or you can find me on Twitter as well, gjmonsma. Excellent. Listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast as well. So email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. That's R-E at the end of centimeter, the Canadian way. Send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator or boss that we should celebrate or just share a fun teacher antidote. We appreciate all those that have emailed, text, tweeted, or just had encouraging conversations with us recently. And because our listeners came through, we are excited to record our second Campfire Conversation next episode, where we focus on a burning topic and solve all of your rapid fire questions. Before we go today, I want to thank Gail for hosting our glittering and not being too bossy and ask if anyone knows what group of animals form a glittering. I'm going to go to Darren. He was feeling confident. I have spent my fair share of time in the prairies and I think a glittering's got to be fireflies. Ooh, a glittering and fireflies. That sounds, that sounds very fitting. Justin, what do you think? Well, 
as we're in the time of Christmas, I'm thinking French hens, partridge, but I'm going turtle doves. Two turtle doves form a glittering. A glittering of turtle doves. Love it. Gail, what do you think? Glittering. I think it's elves. (laughs) Nice. Glittering of elves. Yeah, Yeah, I like that. Well, it's not it's none of those. Uh, oh, yeah. So it is a glittering of hummingbirds. All right. So hummingbirds mm. form a glittering. Uh, the word is more festive than the actual animal. I understand that. Hummingbirds are the smallest bi- migrating bird. They are the only bird that can fly backwards. And the average weight of a hummingbird is less than a nickel. So my question to you three, without any prep, what is something that you can do backwards? What is something that you can do backwards? I'm looking at some blank. Justin, what do you got? Well, I've always been struck by the fact that a backflip is easier than a front flip. And my daughter kind of does both on the tramp. But I, you know, give me a little diving board. I'm okay to do a backflip off of that bad boy. Darren, what do you got? I think I can go the alphabet backwards. (laughs) Oh, come on. Yeah, let's do this. Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J, and now it fell apart. That's as far as I got. <laughs> that was Darn awesome. Right. That's and you sang. And you sang. That was not even forced. Uh, we're gonna need to fact check that. So if someone can fact check that, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> Gail, uh, what can you do backwards? I can say my name backwards. It's uh, Iliag Amznom. Oh wow, mm. that was quick. It's got a ring that to was it. Very quick, yeah. yeah. One one thing that I can do backwards uh, is, is skate backwards, and the reason I'm saying that is because when I started out uh, many years ago, my dad put me in hockey, and he watched my first practice, and everything was going fine until the coach had us all skate backwards, and he had this moment of low, oh no, I have not ton- taught my son how to skate backwards, and he said, I just stood there. And I just wiggled my butt back and forth and did not move. <laughs> and I've just recently had my six-year-old start hockey and he had a very similar, he actually moved a little bit, but very similar experience. So that is our weird little exit part of our, 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 our episode. Darren always comes through with something that maybe redeems this part. So Darren, what do you got? Um, this is uh, an adaptation from an author named John Macri. So receive this blessing. Listeners, Gail, team, receive the good news that God, who is love, is waiting for you everywhere, even in the places you don't want to go. That the Holy Spirit is hovering over the chaos of our pandemic-disrupted classrooms and hallways, calling forth new life. Mm -hmm. And that Jesus is always coming again and again and again, even in this terrible and wonderful time. So stay alert. Keep watch, because you just might find yourself staring into your classroom with wonder, the living God coming into your ordinary life. Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, bosses. We want to thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.